I'm Ben, and you're listening to the Sound Logic Podcast. This is Mike. Each episode, we discuss one of music's greatest albums from Rolling Stone Magazine's Top 500 list. Brought to you by two guys with no credentials. Welcome back, everyone. Today, we are discussing album number 28 on Rolling Stone's list of the 500 greatest albums of all time, which is Who's Next by The Who. The Who. <laughs> and how often will we make that pun through this episode? <laughs> you should guess. Uh, guess who. Oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be that kind of episode. Yeah. Had you listened to this album before, Ben? No, this is a brand new one for me. So since you haven't listened to it, what kind of... it? Yeah, same Same answer. Um, I hadn't. So since neither of us has had listened to it, um, I want to skip right to, you know, what did you, being brand new, what were kind of your expectations, your preconceived notions about what it would be like? Yeah, I I guess I would say since we kind of, uh, a lot of our teenage years were spent listening to uh, classic rock on Q107 in the cornfield, I know a lot of songs by The Who. I'm not exactly mm. sure what about them has never compelled me to pick up an album. Um, I yeah. may have picked up like a one of those chintzy greatest hits that are like unauthorized, you know, at the the back of uh, yeah. Future Shop or something like that. Eight tracks or something of totally overplayed songs. I might have one of those kicking around somewhere. Maybe I got rid of it. Uh, but so I, I guess my pre- preconceived notions were that this album would have a couple of those major hits on it. Um, that it would be sort of classic rock in the classics uh, in, the, in the very classic of classic notions <laughs> uh, sort of 4-4 four, four timing <laughs> wow. for all songs and uh, and right. lots of big yes. booming guitars and uh, I have this image in my head of like the Who doing their windmill guitar motion um, and so I guess that was all kind of tumbling through my head as I was imagining what this might be when I pressed play for the first time how about you? I love that you mentioned the windmill guitar, and I'll get to that in just a second, but I can resonate with pretty much everything you said. I have one of those greatest hits that, again, has, you know, all the really well, like I, on the greatest hits, I know most of the songs. So I expected, I knew that I would know, you know, I Won't Get Fooled Again and Bob O'Reilly. I knew those and didn't really know anything else. So I expected them to be kind of uh, just very generic, straight up and down rock and roll. the windmill. A number of years ago, I had—I guess I had my greatest hits, The Who, on, and my son, who was—this well, must have been like five years ago—comes into the room, and I said, "Do you like this?" He goes, "Yeah," and he starts doing the windmill guitar thing. No way! And I had never introduced him to The Who or anything about no The Who way. before, and my jaw hit the floor. I said, "That's awesome! Where did you see that?" And he said, "I don't know. I just started doing it." And I said, "Hold on." You've never seen that done anywhere before? I don't think so. Have you heard this music before? No, I don't think so. He had never... He claims, and he was just a little kid. I don't think he was trying to pull one over on me. He claims he had never, ever heard The Who or associated Pete Townsend's windmill guitar Uh. with The Who. Yet, upon hearing it for the very first time, this is the thing he does. Either that's the weirdest coincidence ever, or they have uh, somehow 
designed something scientifically to physiologically make someone <laughs> want to do that. Motion. Well, I'm, I'm like... <laughs> I think probably more so the former. I'm not even sure where, like, I get that notion from, because I wasn't a huge fan. I don't know if, it, like, they performed you must have it seen on the it somewhere. because it's not like they were making music videos that we were watched, you know, in our high school years. Uh, maybe on, like, some kind of history channel show about the, the who i don't know or the history of rock and roll um, i think for for that he's he made it so famous that it's just kind of another rock and roll guitar move yeah that people so. just do right yeah so i could see that you growing up might have had that image and seen it somewhere but and maybe my son had seen it somewhere maybe or it's just in the ether of you know rock stuff it was a motion he would have made for any classic rock sounding something. <laughs> sure, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, I'd never yeah. seen him do it before. So, anyways, huh. that was kind of just kind of blew my mind. But um, yeah, so I have no really memory of the album. Um, the you know Bob O'Reilly, we always knew. I I think I picked up the greatest hits or the one I have because our friend Steve, I think, really liked the Who when we were listening to that kind of rock, and I think he had some of. At least one of their greatest hits oh. compilations, and maybe some of their albums. Can you run down and, the street and get him? Maybe he wants to be a guest. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's uh, he's on board for a very, very uh, much anticipated oh, album oh, coming up. Oh, good, good. <laughs> Later, uh, if if he's willing to do it, I don't know if he's really wants to do the podcast thing, but I think we can convince him. <laughs> but yeah. Um, Maybe when I'm editing, I'll go down and get him and see if he can put some sound bites in. But I feel like he always really liked The Who. So I think that's why. And I had a friend, I guess we're just getting into memories now, but since it doesn't really have to do the album, I had a friend who uh, we were in a like a little punk band in high school, but he he could play some other stuff too. He He could play piano a bit, but he learned, I think on guitar, how to play Pinball Wizard. Oh. And that was kind of like, oh, what's this you're playing? Like, well, this is from Tommy. Well, what's Tommy? Well, Tommy's a like a rock opera by The Who. It's yeah. Like, oh, that's cool. And um, I had some friends that went to the art school in Unionville, a Unionville high school. Yeah. And they, I think in one of my last years, uh, their annual production was Tommy. Huh. Um, and we went down and watched. And we, I knew a few different people uh, who were in that because uh, it's kind of the next town south. It, it, I, I mean, I didn't know much about musical theater. I thought it was great. A bunch of high school kids put this on, and you know, it was getting into more the digital age, so there was a lot of audiovisual um, aspects in production as well. There was a live band playing all the songs. Wow. It was great for, for a bunch of, you know, 14 to 18-year-olds. Yeah. It was incredible. It was really well done. So uh, we'll get... Tommy will come up here shortly, yeah. so we'll get into that. Yeah, yeah. For me, this one I, I was not. When I saw this on the list, it wasn't in my mind greatly anticipated. I wasn't like, "Oh, I'm so excited to get to who's next." And I'm not. Yeah, I'm trying to cast judgment. Just in my mind, it wasn't one that I was really, really, really looking. Yeah, for. yeah. You know what? I think it feels um, a little similar to uh, getting to the Rolling Stones, like a band that I've always known about. Mm-hmm. Um, but yep. have no sense yep. of their discography and how it how it sort of unfolds and, and have no sense even where their singles fit. So, yeah. Right. And I think, and again, uh, that's a great example. 
saying nothing about the band, but more just about me and how I listen to music. I, uh, I've never wanted to do a deep dive mm. into either one of those bands, yeah. really. The Rolling Stones, again, one of the biggest bands ever, and I've never been compelled to buy any of their yeah. albums. Again, that says nothing about the band and how good they are, because they're great, but I've just never, really never been that interested. There are some so, people right now listening to this podcast, I'm similar. sure, who are just like gripping their chair that they're sitting in thinking like, Absolutely. what is wrong with you people? Because uh, I know like this is such an iconic part of rock and roll history. Uh, we should be these should be bands that we do deep dives in. We should, yep. I think, perhaps if we if we really consider ourselves to be uh, yeah. true music fans, have a better knowledge maybe of the Who and the Rolling Stones. But for whatever whatever reason, yeah, of course. And by the time we we're done, <laughs> by the time we're done this yeah. list, we're going to do probably about another dozen albums. Uh, <laughs> for for these two bands so yeah anyways yeah that's that's just kind of the lead up to it um great so well let's just get right into some details 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 so this album was released uh august 14th 1971 it was written entirely music and lyrics by pete townsend except for my wife by john and twistle the bassist uh so uh, there's four members in The Who, Pete Townsend on guitar and uh, synthesizer, John Entwistle on bass, Keith Moon on drums and percussion, and Roger Daltrey on vocals. Uh, this album charted number one in the UK, number four in the US, and we don't usually have a listing for this, but number five in Canada Woo-hoo. in 1971, which is pretty cool. Uh, certified worldwide sales of uh, 3.35 million. So that's just a certification and 3 million of that is certified in the U S. So I find it hard to believe that they only sold 300,000 in the UK, uh, if they went number one in the UK, but then again, uh, the U S has a much greater population. Yeah. So, um, uh, so a lower huh, 3 million, nothing to laugh at, but a lower, number than a lot of the big albums we've talked about yeah. that are 9, 15, 40, yep. you know, stuff like that. Um, so here we go. Of the nine tracks on this album, eight of them were from a salvage project that Pete Townsend was working on, working on called Lifehouse. And this was an attempt at another rock opera to follow up 1969's Tommy. So they did Tommy in 1969, which was a rock opera and very successful. And they did a movie and everything. Uh, So he was trying to do another one, but it just wasn't working out. Uh, Lots of different conflicts and tons of reasons that I I won't list. Uh, So they scrapped it, but they took... uh, There there are even more songs, and I didn't look up exactly which one, but there are more songs that feature on later albums as well. They keep kind of just digging into this uh, well that he had created of uh, material, but eight of these tracks uh, are from Lifehouse. The only one that's not is is My Wife, which is what John Entwistle wrote. Uh, it was, I don't think any awards when it came out, but in 2007, this album was inducted into the Grammy Hall of Fame. I, I looked up what the Rolling Stone had to say, and it wasn't really anything... Uh, revolutionary uh the one there was one quote from pete towns townsend 
uh, asked about uh, his vast use of synthesizers on this album because there's a ton of synthesizer. I mean, the synthesizers were like the size of your bathroom back then. <laughs> they were huge. And um, uh, what he said is, um, I like synthesizers. <laughs> so uh, there you have it. That's why he, that's why he wanted them on there. <laughs> well, so yeah, I mean, uh, it might be worth, uh, that's really funny. It might be worth mentioning here. Um, occasionally we've referenced that Rolling Stone has a list of the greatest songs of all time. And uh, okay, yep. Bob O'Reilly uh, shows up on that list. I It makes me wonder a little bit if, because it's such an iconic song, if that's what elevates this album to this position. Um, but we'll get to some of that as we start going through our reflections on it, I guess. Um, but all that to say, I guess, as we're going through details here, um, it's got some significant songs on it. Absolutely. Or a, a, a couple, two at least, significant songs. <laughs> uh, at least two. Yeah. Yeah, that has happened, I think, a few times. You know, we argued uh, quite heavily in favor of that for the number four album, Highway 61 Revisited, that it was almost solely there because of like a Rolling Stone. Right. Uh, you know, uh, we have come across a few people who have argued that point, uh, which is which is great. Uh, you know, I love to hear different viewpoints, but we really struggled with the other things about that album yeah. that made it great. That there are some songs that are so significant and mm -hmm. such a game changer in terms of music and culture. I think Bob O'Reilly is definitely one of those. Uh, we'll get into it, but with some of the things that are happening sonically are really revolutionary and uh, innovative for yeah. the time. So for sure, I think, I think this could be up there. It, it was a successful album mm -hmm. um, and is one that's familiar. Speaking of familiar, was this cover, the artwork, was that familiar to you? No, that wasn't either. Did you, re did, did you, re did you, re no, no. I, I feel like I recognize it, but never really looked at it. So, okay, here's the album artwork, a uh, very small, this is one, so we've talked about albums that don't have the artist's name or the title on at all. This yeah. one, it's it's top center, but very small. The, the W in Who is capitalized, but the rest is lowercase. Very small black letter. Who's next? Next, all lowercase. Mm -hmm. Who's next? Um, so right in the middle is this monolithic-looking concrete piling, which is in the middle of a slag heap. Uh, this was The photo was taken in... Easington Colliery. Colliery. Mm -hmm. Not sure how to pronounce some of those English <laughs> names. So this is in Durham County hey. in England. And it's a, a, a yeah, hey, you grew up in, in Durham. Uh, Durham region <laughs> in Ontario. Um, yeah, this is a, an old mining town. So it's in the middle of this uh, slag heap. And they're standing around it. And, uh, there's a few details that I didn't notice about this album. <laughs> yeah. Um, so the, the concept, the, uh, the photographer wanted to take something inspired by Stanley Kubrick's 2001, a space odyssey, which uh, again, people are going to scream at me about a movie. I have not seen that. I'd like to see. Um, there's an image in there apparently that is similar to this. And the, the artist wanted all of the members of the band to urinate on the concrete. Um, and the only one who agreed to do so is Pete Townsend. <laughs> and so 
there's these black marks on the bottom and that's supposed to be the the urine i thought it was shadows for years i didn't even look at it apparently though they just got a can with some water and just dumped it and uh you can see that three of them and i believe it's john entwistle keith moon and roger daltrey are all doing up their flies and i didn't i just thought they were posing or holding onto their belts but they're doing up their flies as if they've just pissed all over this concrete and if that's pete townsend in the middle i think it is he's the only one who's not doing up his fly but he's the only one who actually peed which is which is funny Um, it's a strange image uh who's the guy in the in the blue shirt i think that's keith moon pretty sure that's Keith. he has the sort of the strangest look uh that that does seem like someone who maybe just was peeing the others could all just sort of see be seen as casual i don't know exactly what they're doing maybe but he has a weird weird kind of posture and expression and his hands everything about that he's like one of these things do not belong kind of um but they're very rock and roll with their button-up shirts and uh long almost bell bottom but not quite and you know just sneakers on very uh rock and roll so uh the the one other note is that the sky is a composite image so they the sky was i can't say photoshop because that didn't exist but the sky was added in after to give kind of an ominous effect so that it it really looks like it fits but apparently that um that sky wasn't there at all um an interesting album not quite not maybe as striking as some of the other ones and then we've discussed interesting though because this is probably and i haven't fact checked this but this is probably or for many years was a place that you could visit yeah. like abbey road you could go with your mates and pee on this thing and recreate the album cover <laughs> or you could just stand there which is probably more acceptable <laughs> and i think that also makes an album cover more iconic when it's a physical place in our world yeah, that you could go yeah. to as opposed to just you know somewhere in a studio with a backdrop that they're just going to take down 10 minutes later. It feels very rock and roll, but also um, like a strange choice. Uh, (laughs) I don't, I almost, uh, I don't know if you ever watched South Park uh, (laughs) at any point in your life. There's an, uh, an episode where, (laughs) There's an episode I couldn't get where into it. Cartman, I believe, forms a uh, Christian rock group because he realizes that if he just puts Jesus in place of other words, um, that he can sell millions of albums. And uh, they take it; they go to the beach and film this like cover shot that looks kind of like this. And I'm just now realizing maybe it was sort of a tongue-in-cheek. Oh, okay. They're all standing on rocks, and each of them are sort of looking in different directions, and they're like no one smile this is so rock and roll <laughs> and uh that's sort of what this is it just sort of i don't know it feels like okay we're showing off the bands let's put them in a sort of generic landscape uh i don't know the peeing thing still just feels really weird um <laughs> i feel i feel conflicted about this album cover i can't decide whether to like it or not um which is super appropriate it, it, for this album. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, I, and I hope this doesn't have to do with the album, but it does thread that line between interesting and boring. Yes. It's like, yeah. it could go, it, it could go, you know, you could look into it and it like kind of the urinating thing yeah. is like, Oh, that's it. It's kind of weird. And interesting. And why'd you do that? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then, and then on the other hand, like the color doesn't really jump out. 
The guys are quite small. Right. And they're not peeing um, on like the, you know, like something sacred either. Yeah, exactly. Right. That like would make they, it it's like way more like I don't know, rock and roll kind of if it was like Yeah, peeing peeing on something is like an F you to the man, like the right? Queen's face or something like that. Or yeah. Exactly. Or some statue of some, you know, uh obscure right. political figure from the past, but because they won't get in right. trouble because he's been no. dead for three hundred years, but it is a statement. Yeah, you know, something like that, right? Yeah. We would expect that. But this is this just looks like they've been all they've been camping or something. Like they're tents just out of the yeah. screen. And, yeah, they got uh, they got lost after a bend. They got up in the morning. And, uh, <laughs> right. Yeah, no, that's a good point. Took there, a pee before packing when, when you unless you've just gone into the alley to relieve yourself, um when you pee on something in public, it's to make a statement. <laughs> but this this is just right. a concrete. It's yeah, just exactly. a lump of concrete. So, yeah, that's a good point. Uh, so track listing. Uh, only nine tracks. So side one starts with Bob O'Reilly, also known as Teenage Wasteland. Bargain. Love ain't for keeping. Love ain't for keeping. My wife. The song is over. The song is over. And side two starts with getting in tune. Going mobile. I'm going home. And when I wanna go home, I'm going mobile. Behind blue eyes. No one knows what it's like to be the bad man. To be the sad man. Behind blue eyes. And closing off the album with Won't Get Fooled Again. Uh, we don't talk a whole lot about uh, you know original formatting for these, but this is a not the first album to have nine tracks, and it's it's been making me think like a lot of a lot of rock songs are sort of four minutes long, and when you've got the limitations of an LP, you end up with these sort of like nine, ten, eleven track albums because you can kind of fit about five songs on each side. Yeah. And uh, it just becomes kind of a standard. I think in the we grew up in sort of more of the cassette and CD era, and these uh, these albums end up feeling sort of short uh, with that forty five minute cap that they have on them. Um, but it's it's becoming quite a constant thing in this this list to see albums like this. And and when we get a a bigger one, it's a double album then with you know twenty plus tracks. Um, because they can fit a whole lot on. Yeah, that's right. And, as the for, as the technology and formats change. And those big albums that we saw, you know, er, earlier in terms of time uh, had to be double album. Right. I like how the just do some just some general comments. I like how the whole album itself, the first and last track bookended with a lot of really interesting uh, synth sounds. Uh, yeah, Bob O'Reilly, which is you know the first minute is all synth and delays and relays and all that. 
and the whole song has a lot of it. And then Won't Get Fool Again is, again, organ and synth and all this just just looping around and around. And, and Won't Get Fooled Again, I think, always surprises me by how long it is. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, I think the radio edit is, is cuts it off. But if you listen to the whole thing on the album, it's over eight minutes. Uh, yeah. So it just keeps going. And with these long, you know, synth organ uh, components. I think I'm appropriately using the term epic. Yeah, well, and I, I guess coming out of the uh, theatrical sort of origin of this album, um, it makes sense to have these two grand sweeping songs sort of open up everything and then close everything out. Um, I'm curious if that's a part of the album structure once they moved away from the rock opera but um it still sort of feels appropriate for that kind of thing i listen to the music and i try in my mind to single out the individual musicians and instruments i feel like each one is a is a soloist Hmm. kind of playing a solo the whole time even even roger daltrey with from keith moon's crazy drum licks and riffs all over the place just these huge fills and tom rolls and all sorts of stuff to john entwistle's very creative and melodic bass lines that's one thing i've always liked about the who but never really knew it like uh <laughs> yesterday uh, i was working in the warehouse we always have the radio on and uh won't get fooled again was on and i was humming along to the bass line well i was singing the bass do 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 i was singing it and a guy walked by and he goes easy there bass line <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, I didn't awesome. even really realize that I was doing it. I was just—it's just a part of the song that I really like. I, you know, I play bass, and and I, I like creative bass lines. But John Entwistle does that through the whole album, all over the place. Yeah, you know, um, and uh, Roger Daltrey uh, has a huge range, um, and I love all his all the screams. You know, these rock and roll screams. Wow, you know, yeah. just like. Uh, almost boring from like a James Brown, but but they're longer and grittier and more rock and rolly. I love it. But um, my general comments were uh, synthesizer, drum licks, rock and roll screams. <laughs> that was that's that's the summary of the album. <laughs> Keep it in time. Yeah, yeah. But but the but the like the the four musicians who are all soloists who have come together and are all playing solos throughout the the songs in the album yeah, not in a competitive way yeah they make it work pretty so well but you're right i hadn't really thought about that before but, you, but you're right there's something about that element um hmm. i'll have to give that some more thought with the exception of keith moon they all sing lead um john entwistle only sings lead on my wife uh but uh, pete townsend sings lead on uh, a few tracks and until listening to it and reading the name at the same time, I couldn't tell. I mean, I, yeah. I should be able to pick out Roger Daltrey's voice, but the other guys sing very well. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, you know, when I hear Going Mobile, which is all Pete Townsend, um, I, I had no idea it wasn't Daltrey. Yep. And maybe that says something to my ignorance, but I, I think they all do, do a great job. They have good voices. And yeah. I don't want to say, well, they all sound like Roger Daltrey. Uh, but they all sound good. Um, you know, and I guess that happens when you have artists who kind of grow up and doing the same thing. But It's interesting, uh, isn't it? Yeah. 
and and it's not super common you know we just talked very recently about Fleetwood Mac uh, now those were men and women but there was uh, three of them who could all sing very well and shared I mean again that's not very common that you have that but in a group of all guys that you would have them three different men share the lead vocals commonly that's pretty that's pretty unique usually just one guy yeah you know it's just it's just Mick Jagger um, I guess I guess the Beatles shared a lot too well maybe all the best bands <laughs> did have <laughs> more than one vocalist yeah it is interesting um, we, we should probably before maybe this needs to be up in details but um, two of the band members are no longer living right that's true and uh, I wonder if that changes sort of um, you know how we still see them perform occasionally on uh, the Grammys or something like that uh, with people filling those other roles Um, yes but they're not limping around like the Rolling Stones no. Uh, <laughs> they're touring. They're touring right now. Oh, it's 2000. There's right now. It's 2019. In case you're listening in the future, um, and they're the two guys. They're doing another tour. I think there's more energy. Mm-hmm. Um, like Pete Townsend still does the windmill thing, and you know Roger Daltrey flies around. I think they have some energy from some younger players as well. I know for a long time, uh, Pino Palladino played uh, bass with them. He's a great bassist. Okay. Um, but he uh, he played on a number of John Mayer's albums too. Played in the John Mayer Trio, um, and has done done many things. Um, I'm not sure who was playing who plays drums for them. They kind of mix it up. But I think of Keith Richards and um, Ronnie Wood, kind of because you said the Stones, kind of standing there most yeah, of the time yeah. um, and I imagine and, and can picture the who yeah moving around a lot more being a little more electric um, huh, side note there, for years uh, they you know especially after John Entwistle passed in 2002 they were kind of I don't think they were rumors I think people just hoping that the two members the two surviving members of the who which were the lead the lead section and the two surviving members of the Beatles, which was the rhythm section, would join to form the Hoodles. <laughs> <laughs> I mean That'd be fun. You wanna make you wanna make some money? <laughs> people people would they I mean not that any of these guys need money, I don't think, right. but like, oh man, can you imagine people paying through the nose to see those four guys play together? <laughs> Holy moly. <laughs> Yeah. Well, should we dive um, into tracks? Uh, for years, because we listened to, again, a lot of these songs on the radio. Yeah. For years, I thought Behind Blue Eyes was Neil Young. Oh. It must have been probably close to a decade of hearing that song before. I, I don't know. You listen to a song on the radio, and for whatever reason, for years, you always miss the part where they say who it is, or you're not paying attention. Yeah, and I never heard them say uh, that was "Behind Blue Eyes" by The Who. I always thought it was Neil Young, maybe because his vocal is a little more nasally and it's a little more acoustic picking. I it was a familiar song for me uh, as well, but I don't think I had any sense of who it was by. <laughs> uh, okay, okay. I, you, I think that, you, uh, you just had no clue. Yeah, <laughs> that that opening um, kind of harmony harmonizing i guess you could call it almost reminds me of crosby stills nash 
that probably would have been my and young or sometimes young or no young and sometimes young. <laughs> uh, so that would have probably been my guess and doesn't you know until they sort of kick it into higher gear halfway through the song um it doesn't feel like a this is probably something sacrilegious because fans will be screaming right now but it doesn't feel like a song i would associate with the who um and i was surprised to find it here i think at the end when when it gets into more electric and drums it's that mm-hmm. very i don't know how to describe there's this sound this way he plays the guitar chords a lot where he hits like the bottom note and then the top mm-hmm. like going up the octave you know you know yeah. what i'm talking about you hear that in a lot yep. of the songs i i don't know if there's a term for that i don't know it uh but i feel like he does that a lot once we kick again kick it into uh you know the full-blown sound on this song but you're right it doesn't it sounds like a different style almost, almost. reminds me a little bit of uh Until house they... of the rising sun by the animals uh Yep. I've got that like yep. melancholy minor key as a start. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, picking. picking just yeah. picking single <laughs> note. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. That's a good uh, good comparison. Um, I think we could probably spend the whole episode talking about Bob O'Reilly. Um, just <laughs> <laughs> just maybe for the the name alone, um, a problematic name for a number of reasons. When you type Teenage Wasteland into Wikipedia, it takes you to Bob O'Reilly, which says something about how confusing this song is for anyone who's getting into the band. Uh, Why'd they choose that title Uh, and not the clearly obvious one of Teenage Wasteland? Um, I, for a lot of years, thought it was Bob O'Reilly and and had that same thought (laughs) when... uh, (laughs) When I went to the track list for this show and sort of chuckled to myself thinking, oh yeah, it is Bob O'Reilly, isn't it? That doesn't sound right in my head, but it is. And um, yeah, and I often forget that title too and, and just think about it as Teenage Wasteland, it, which is so funny for such an iconic song to have that kind of clunky labeling associated with it. So again, it was a song he uh, that Townsend wrote for Lighthouse. Yep. Sorry, not Lighthouse. Lifehouse. Lifehouse. Um, so the name uh, is just Townsend paying tribute tribute to two of his mentors. M- I'm going to say this wrong. Meher, M-E-H-E-R, Meher Baba, which is his uh, his guru, and uh, Terry Riley. He's a co- American composer. I think a, a spiritual mentor and a musical mentor, a min- minimalist composer. Uh, Townsend wanted to input the vital sounds uh, and personality of Meher Baba into the synthesizer and then generate the music based on the data. And that didn't quite work, but that was the, that was the concept. Wow. <laughs> it's a, a song um, that gets celebrated by um, teenage party scenes and the bands didn't want it to be that. They were sort of, they were talking about the the sort of destruction of teenage lifestyle, especially around their experience at Woodstock. Right. Um, and, <laughs> and so it's this ironic song too, I guess, it, you know, sort of we're all wasted kind of is sort of a celebratory kind of sound in the middle. And, uh, right. and it's actually just sort of like poking at that 
problematic aspect of the teenage years. Yeah, more satirical, yeah, political commentary. Um, uh, this is still used very commonly today, all the time. Um, there was a just this year, 2019. There was a T-Mobile commercial with all sorts of baseball players with it in, and. Um, do you watch Stranger Things on Netflix? I don't. So the uh, the third season came out earlier this summer, and the trailer, which I mean, people go nuts for trailers these days, but the trailer uh, very prominently featured this song, hmm. especially because the main characters are now moving into their teen years. So it was very, very fitting teenage wasteland. Yeah. the The theme of this third season is really a lot about coming of age. Uh, so they use that song. So I mean, it's and and we've heard it hundreds of times before. Yeah, it's very, very, very. Not to skip ahead, but this song, at least on its own, is very relevant. Still used all the time. Yeah, in some strange and different ways too. Like I think it was part of sure. the trailer of A Bug's Life and American Beauty were two films that I learned <laughs> while I was going through some stuff this afternoon. Jeez. Um, like I don't know. I, I guess it just sets a certain tone when you when you hear those those opening notes come along. Um, that filmmakers especially just really appreciate. So. I know I've heard going mobile before, and I feel like it must have been in like a cell phone carriers commercial <laughs> campaign at some point. I know I've heard it on a on commercial. The yeah, we've talked about this before. When I look at the names of the songs, other than some of the more familiar ones. Bob O'Reilly, uh, Bargain, Going Mobile, Behind Blue Eyes, and Won't Get Fooled Again. The other ones, I can't think. I can't think of what they sound like when I read the name. <laughs> <laughs> maybe that's just. Maybe that's because I haven't listened to it enough yet. Yeah. Like I listened to it a few times. This is one of the times where my preconceived notion kind of matched with what I felt like after I listened to it, where I really, really really enjoyed the the hits or some of the more familiar songs yeah and don't really feel i need to come back to the other ones <laughs> i heard a i heard a lot and again subjective but i heard a lot of similarities yeah. between the songs a lot of the same guitar sounds and movements now if he was writing a rock opera and dare we say concept album there are supposed to be repeating themes both lyrically and musically so that's not a criticism but if you're just listening i kept hearing a song and going didn't i already listen to that song? <laughs> oh it was a different song it sounds the same there's one exception to um, that i felt i felt very similarly but the song is over it has a very different kind of vibe on it uh and yeah it pulls me in in a way that i was not expecting i i thought most of the album would be especially going through the first few tracks i was like okay i get this it's gonna feel like well it's not gonna feel as bad as the rolling stones album we already covered because it's not two two uh (laughs) it's not two albums in one uh it's fortunately only nine tracks but i thought okay it's just gonna feel the same all the way through but then that song came on and i was like oh wow what is this this is different and this feels um I don't know, far more experimental maybe than I was anticipating. And uh, I really like it. I've actually, I think last, uh, one of our recent album reviews, you talked about waking up in the morning with a song stuck in your head. And that's been this song for me. The song is over. um, is one that's just like come into my consciousness uh, in a way that the rest of the album has not really. Um, 
I'm not sure what it is about that song either. It, it's different. It's softer. It's very pretty. Um, again, tons of synth mm -hmm. underneath the piano. Very beautiful piano. And once again, uh, Pete Townsend singing on the verses. Because mm -hmm. I hear it and I think, oh, Daltrey. Here's Daltrey singing in his high register. It's Pete Townsend. Yeah. So, yeah. No, it is pretty. I just... Again, maybe it's just the repetition. I haven't... I don't know. Um, it's just not its not as memorable to me as the other ones. Yeah. yeah. I'm trying to figure out which of these songs I'd actually heard before. I know for sure that Baba O'Reilly and Won't Get Fooled Again are songs that got played quite frequently. Behind Blue Eyes is another one. Yeah, those are the those are the three singles. Those are the three singles? Okay. Yeah, Won't Get Fooled Again, Baba O'Reilly, Behind Blue Eyes. What other songs have been on the radio? Or do you think that's um, pretty much it from this album? Because some of these feel very familiar, but now that I've gone through the album a few times, I can't figure out if it's just because they fit with a s style or sound or because they're songs that I would have heard as a younger. Well, I have I know I've heard Bargain and Going Mobile before, but I can't say that I've heard it on the radio or regularly. Now, radio these days, you know, you will have a radio station that will put a song in a circulation that wasn't initially a single yeah you know that now you listen to a lot that is now sort of a single or it's been singleized they might play bargain now but maybe i don't think it was initially a single uh, so maybe again like because of the way we we play music and listen to music and license music now it doesn't really matter yeah. anymore but bargain sounds um, a lot to me like the other uh, another who song um i can see for miles something about the way it builds yeah and so i can't decide if i've <laughs> if i've heard this song before <laughs> or if it just reminds me of another one of their songs and i think i feel that way about a number <sighs> of the tracks too like <laughs> yeah um it you're right there is something about this that i can understand as really good rock and roll uh and right. just not really resonate in the same way as with some other bands. Yeah, and that's, again, I don't want to say that that's yeah. negative, but it just, as I'm less familiar with the songs, I'm just hearing it and forgetting which one it is because it sounds like some of the other ones. Uh, I knew that it was used for CSI, so Won't Get Fooled Again was the theme song for uh, CSI Miami. Okay. But that was followed because they used a Who song for the theme of every CSI. So the first CSI was <laughs> Who Are Who Are You because it kind of fit with the theme. And then when they did New York, they used Bob O'Reilly. And then after that, they did CSI Miami and used Won't Be Fooled Again. So always a Who song. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> I, I never really watched the show, so maybe there's some CSI fans who got into the Who. Yeah. <laughs> I searched through uh, YouTube just briefly this afternoon, trying to see if uh, Getting in Tune was ever done on Sesame Street, um, because oh. <laughs> <laughs> I think this the the line in there, I'm singing this note because it fits so well, like one note is playing. It just seems like a kind of very childish kind of like <laughs> kid on a piano. Uh, <laughs> that, that is good. Uh, but apparently no. Is this album still relevant? Um, man, I feel like a broken <laughs> record here. 
I think we find this on a lot of the albums that we can't imagine a time before this music. And sure. it's really hard to think about a world that hadn't heard these sort of you know, like a song that just sort of punches you like yeah, that. Yeah, right. <laughs> like, I bet this was shocking the first time it came on the radio. Oh, for sure. It just feels familiar, and it doesn't feel jarring. It, you know, it's been a part of cartoons that we grew up with, you know? So, uh, uh, cartoon films, I should say. Um, so, it's really hard for me to think about this music um, in a critical way that's not... <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. The problem with any of these reviews is that we bring our own baggage to them and our own experience. And uh, sure, and yeah. this is a tricky one, I think, because it's not something I've been drawn to. I appreciate it as really good, and uh, and it's probably not something that I'll revisit again. So, uh, is it right. relevant? <sighs> it's probably something I'm, I'm, I'm glad I have heard it. And I'm glad I'll be able to point people in a certain direction if they're curious about where a certain song from The Who falls. Um, but I don't know. I don't. I don't think if a if a artist from today was like, "Oh man, who's an album? What's an album from that list that I really should be getting into?" I don't think this album is going to come to my mind as like, you know, if you want to be relevant today, pick up the Who's Who's next. I think when when I'm struggling to answer this question, the other question I ask is if I put this album on in the general public, or at very least in amidst a group of people who listen to rock music today, yeah, would they want to listen to it, or would would it still be interesting? Yeah. Uh, so the three singles, I would absolutely. Say, well, the, hey, come on, you're taking my thunder. <laughs> I was going to say the, the hits. I think are very relevant. Yeah. The rest of the album, maybe not so much. And I want to blend that in with, yeah. you know, is it does it sound dated? I think some of the synth sounds are very, very mm-hmm. dated as early 70s, early synth experimental sounds that maybe over the next 10 or 20 years, they changed it a bit. To, well, that kind of sounds corny now, so let's change it because we have this new sound. Yeah. Um, I, I think that's kind of how kind of get into concluding thoughts but that's kind of how i feel about the whole album there are parts i really like and there are parts that i could do without again not that they're not good or that i don't like them they're just not as memorable Mm -hmm. but when it hits it hits really hard yeah um where they have it on bob o'reilly won't get fooled again even behind blue eyes and i love when it comes in with the energy and the tempo later on it it really hits hard so yeah mixed i can i say mixed feelings yeah yeah, I, I think that's fair. Album has been released with mixed reviews. <laughs> Album is, <laughs> exactly. We give it five stars. Uh, no, it's not. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I guess that's the challenge. And I, I think this next question that we always ask, you know, was it sound logic to include it here? Uh, I feel kind of lukewarm about yeah, that as what, well. What do you like, think? I, I don't know. It's not. It's not going to, you know, if we were making our own custom rankings of the entire 500, it's not going to be my. It's not going to make my tw- top twenty-eight. But I don't think so. It's not bad either. Like it no. doesn't deserve to be knocked down a whole lot. It's just, it's just not something I would put here. It's personal preference, I guess. Yeah, I personally, I don't need it to be top thirty. I think there's going to be many albums as we continue all the way through this list that have iconic and really fun 
memorable songs on it. Yeah. So if that's all it takes to get on this list, then I don't know why this is that much higher. Again, again, it was it was early seventies. It's iconic. It's mm-hmm. got staying power. All those things. Yeah. Um, but if this was the follow up to Tommy, but this didn't make it as a rock opera, why is Tommy? so much further down on the list. Um, it would be <laughs> oh, comfortable. That's a question for another time, I guess. <laughs> I, I know. I, that's why I didn't, I kind of stopped myself. And I say, I would be comfortable with this album anywhere between 30 and 50. Okay. Um, I don't need to bump it all the way to the bottom. I, I see the significance of it and the staying power of Bob O'Reilly and won't get fooled again. Very iconic songs, uh, groundbreaking in terms of the sound. And the Who, a, a very important groundbreaking band in rock and roll, uh, yeah. but I don't see it needing to be. You know, we've talked about albums that are so significant, so um, yeah. influential that, that are still coming up here, right? Uh, so, yeah, I but, I don't think it yeah. needs to be the. the I, I I guess the word is need. I don't think it needs to be this high. Mm-hmm. I I'm comfortable if it's lower. I'm not upset that it's at twenty eight. I think there's enough album. If there's albums that come after this, it should be higher. There's enough albums that have come before it mm-hmm. <laughs> that could go after it yeah. um, that we didn't much care for either. So, yeah, yeah. no, it's a tough one because I, I don't the think it's a no. bad, it's not a poorly constructed album either. No. Um, it's, it doesn't have a bunch of songs that I feel like I want to skip. Uh, it doesn't, it doesn't feel disjointed or clunky. Um, it's really well done. Um, I don't know. I feel like, you know, if we're getting it a grade, I feel like it gets a solid B plus, like just (laughs) like, uh, you know, this is not going to be the butt of jokes for the next, you know, we're not going to treat this like highway 61. Well, Um, I think, I think uh, that's the title of the review, right? Or we need to put that on a t-shirt. The who's the who's next a solid B plus. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Like it's not really a slam, but it's also not really saying that right. it's great. Right, right, right. And, yeah, and I feel bad saying that because, um, yeah, I, yeah. And I'm also recognizing that we're coming off a pretty impressive stretch here. Um, oh, geez. Like we just know, talked about some very iconic albums. This doesn't come anywhere close in my mind to the Joshua Tree, Rumors, Live at the Apollo, Intervisions. You know, and so <laughs> fitting that in with uh, yeah, no, what's in I my agree. head, like you know, I I can't I can't bump this higher. Um, and the only yeah. thing sort of p- making me pause is yep. that there's some stuff above it that I'd rather listen to. Oh, sorry. There's there's stuff above it that I think deserves to be below it. Um, so, right. so I don't know. So yeah, at least one at least, higher. Maybe at least one higher. I don't know. So uh, we want to start talking about if this band has any more albums on the top 500 list what do you mean start so <laughs> it's something that we have often mentioned oh yeah true. just as a, <laughs> just as a clunky we're gonna add-on plan, we're gonna plan to talk about it now it's much better yeah uh, so uh, where does this show up <laughs> it's the manager in me that wants to always explain what we're going to do before we do it <laughs> yeah uh okay so this was 28 uh tommy comes in at 96 the Who sell out at 115. Number 170, Live at Leeds. My Generation, 237. Quadrophenia. Is that how you would say that? I guess so. 
Quadrophenia at 267 and a quick one at 384. So they have seven albums. With seven albums on this list, that's pretty significant. There's uh, artists like the Beatles, the Rolling Stones, and Dylan who come in ahead of them with having more on this list. Um, I just looked quickly on the Wikipedia page for Rolling Stones' greatest albums of all time. And um, Springsteen comes in with eight, and Clapton has a couple of solo albums, three with Cream, one with Derek and the Dominoes, one with the Yardbirds, and one with John Mayall and the Blues Breakers. Uh, and then comes the Who with with seven albums there. So um, they're they're near the top of having the most albums on this list of five hundred. But we don't really know their music. But we don't really know their music. <laughs> so really, I mean, yeah, we've got six chances here to really fill out that catalog and get a sense of it. Um, it's going to take us some time to get to a few of these, but uh, it, it'll be interesting. I, you know, having a luke lukewarm experience this time. Uh, I think the bar has been lowered a little bit. My expectations are not going to be so high when we get to the next one. Well, that that method worked for Bob Dylan. It's worked very well for Bob Dylan. And uh, I'm sure... You just keep liking his albums more and more as we <laughs> go exactly lower right. on this list. <laughs> That's exactly right. Yeah. I, well, yeah. you don't have to wait long. Number 31. We're going to do another one, bud. <laughs> yeah. And some Rolling Stones coming up here too, a band that we've mentioned quite frequently yes. this album yeah. as well. So here we go. Yeah. Well, that concludes our review of the Who's Who's Next. Mm-hmm. We want to thank you for finding us and for taking the time out of your busy life to join us and listen to our podcast. We hope you join us next time when we discuss, what is it, Ben? Coming up next at number 29 is Led Zeppelin. And you won't believe this, but it's by a band called Led Zeppelin. Should be a good one. Very creative. Yeah. (laughs) Very creative. Well, as always, good to talk to you, my friend. You bet. Have a great evening, and we'll see you next time. Thanks, everyone. If you like what you hear, subscribe on your favorite podcast app and write a review. Send us a message at our Facebook page, on Instagram, or through our SoundLogic Podcast Twitter feed. Thanks for listening.